Hi everyone, Dan Cassidy here. Welcome back to the UBS Market Moves podcast channel. We are back with another episode of House Call, talking equity markets with UBS Asset Management. Joining us for the conversation today, glad to welcome back Jeremy Zirin, Senior Portfolio Manager of the Houseview Equity Portfolios, Head of the Private Client U.S. Equity Team. We're also joined today by Dominique Shager, UBS Asset Management's Senior Equity Investment Specialist. With that, Jeremy, Dom, thank you for spending some time with our clients. Let me go ahead and pass it over to you, Dom, to lead today's conversation. Great. Thank you, Dan, and Happy New Year to you. We appreciate you having us on the show. And as you mentioned, this is the first installment of 2024. So let me dive right into it. Jeremy, last year, inflation, the Fed, Max 7 were three of the most utilized words in financial market commentary. We're only three years and three weeks into the year, and the market's essentially flat. Yet, has this rhetoric changed? What's been driving the market so far in 2024? Thanks, Dom, and happy 2024. Uh, I I would probably add the phrase soft landing to your list of uh, common investment uh, phrases last year as well. Uh, Three weeks into the year, I would say that the rhetoric hasn't really changed a lot, but perhaps on the margin, investors are a bit less optimistic on the Fed cutting rates quite as aggressively than they were after Fed Chair Powell. December press conference when most headlines after the December FOMC meeting focused on the Fed endorsing a pivot from raising rates in 2023 to cutting rates in 2024. You know, the 10 year bond yield reached as low as 3.8% in late December, you know, following the, the Fed's dovish press conference. But since then, you know, inflation data has been a bit more mixed. Members of the FOMC have come out in the media and have pushed back a bit on market expectations, calling for six rate cuts this year. And as a result, you know, the 10 year, you know, bond yield has risen by about 30 basis points over the last three weeks. I think that's taken a, a bit of wind out of the sails of the uber bullish crowd on equities, which essentially is hoping for a, a Goldilocks scenario where growth would continue to be resilient and inflation would decelerate fast enough for the Fed to start cutting rates as soon as the March FOMC meeting. You know, market pricing uh, has moved from calling for a 90% chance of a Fed rate cut in March just three weeks ago uh, to more of a toss-up or a 50-50 chance today. And so what we've seen from equity markets in the first couple of weeks of the year is a, a bit of a rotation, uh, you know, flat markets, as you suggested, a bit of a rotation into some of 2023's laggards like healthcare and staples, as well as some continued strength in, you know, parts of the MAG-7 or the Magnificent 7, as they're called, that are the most levered to artificial intelligence. And so we've seen, you know, strength in semiconductor and software stocks as well. Uh, we've also seen more selectivity, I'd say, within the Magnificent Seven so far this year. Now, keep in mind that last year they largely moved as a homogeneous block with all of them delivering strong gains. And if you look three weeks into the year, you know, five of the seven are up for the year, two are down. One of them is up double digits on a percentage basis year to date, one's down double digits. So we are seeing more differentiation. And I think these mega cap companies, you know, they have different fundamental drivers and I'd expect, you know, more differentiation in returns this year compared to, you know, moving at the block like they did last year. So, Jeremy, in your comments, you mentioned that inflation data has been a little bit mixed. And in your prior calls, you have said that the road for the Fed um, to reach the Fed's long-term target of 2% um, might be a little bit bumpy. It, essentially, that that last mile might be harder to navigate. 
Can you give us the latest update on inflation and why is inflation such an important topic? So let's start with why the market is so fixated on inflation. Right? So over the past two years, the Fed has raised rates by over five percentage points, and the Fed funds rate currently stands at you know between five and a quarter and five and a half percent. When the Fed's best guess of a neutral Fed funds rate, or the rate that is neither restrictive nor accommodative, is closer to two and a half percent. So policy rates right now are very high and act as a weight on economic future activity. Uh, since that's the Fed's only real tool in its toolkit to fight high inflation. So the current race, if you will, that investors have been watching is which will fall faster, inflation or growth. If growth falls faster than inflation, risks that the economy will fall into a recession increase since the Fed will have less ability to cut rates to spur failing growth. If inflation is falling faster that increases the chances of a soft landing since the Fed can begin the process of normalizing rates, you know, before too much economic damage is done. Now, our views have been that, you know, from its very high level, you know, remember we reached 9% CPI in the middle of 2022, that inflation would fall, but that the last mile of inflation getting down all the way to 2% might prove to be a little bit more difficult. You know, so what happened in 2023 is that we saw you know, inflation steadily declining. And what we saw was that, you know, some of this was just base effects from the very high level. Some of it was just that some of the one-time accelerants to inflation over the past couple of years, such as supply chain disruptions and acute labor shortages uh, from COVID, those started to wane. And that most inflation data uh, continued to be supportive for markets. So if you look at CPI inflation, it fell from, you know, like I said, its peak at 9% in the middle of 22 to just 3% by mid-2023, and now stands at about 3.4%. Uh, if you strip out food and energy to CPI, which is core CPI, uh, which the Fed looks at, you know, it's down to 3.9% after peaking at 6.5% in 2022. And then, you know, just to make things even more confusing, the Fed's actual preferred gauge of inflation is called the Personal Consumption Expenditures Price Index or the PCE Price Index. And that, too, followed a similar pattern and currently stands at about 3.2%. So most inflation gauges are in that 3 to 4% range after peaking between anywhere from 55 to 9% uh, in, you know, late 22 or early 2023. Uh, that's the good news. The bad news is that the Fed's target is 2%, and we're not quite there yet. And so now there's a healthy debate on, you know, that last mile and getting down to, to 2%. On the positive side, you know, we have seen some more high-frequency measurements of inflation, suggesting that we may actually be pretty close. You know, if you annualize the change in the PCE price inflation over the past six months, it's now running just about at 2%. That's that, that Fed's target. Uh, also, in some of the measurements of inflation in the CPI that are between 3 and 4%, housing is a very large contributor, and that if you look at you know, real-time rental prices, they're falling faster than the more backward-looking measurements that are used in the CPI calculation. So that's, that's generally pretty encouraging. Uh, what isn't quite as supportive is that the biggest source of the stickier elements in inflation you know, come from wages and from service-oriented industries. And when you look at core prices on services, you know, stri- even stripping out housing, those have been fairly sticky. And so there's a measurement called the super core, 
within the CPI, and that's been running closer to about 4%, and that's been steady at about a 4% year-on-year clip over the past six months. So putting it all together, the debate rages on. Uh, as we enter 2024, I think that the pluses largely outweigh the minuses, and inflation should continue to moderate over the next year, although it probably won't be quite as as linear as it was in, in 2023. Uh, for equity markets, the real question isn't necessarily will inflation fall, but will the deceleration in, in inflation match market expectations? And on that front, the bar is fairly high. You know, you look at where stocks are trading from a valuation perspective at over 19 times forward earnings, or if you consider that the Fed fund futures are pricing in still between five and six rate cuts this year, you know, that, that may ultimately prove to be a, a bit too aggressive. Thank you, Jeremy. I appreciate the deep dive into inflation. Um, so speaking of expectations, we're very early in the earnings season cycle, with the major banks kicking off early last week, sorry, late last week. Any signs or thoughts of what we can expect from this earnings season? Yeah, taking a step back from the quarter-to-quarter earnings cadence, I'll touch on earnings season in a moment, but the overall outlook for corporate profits, you know, is gradually improving. I think that's the most important point. But the S&P 500, you know, earnings base, you know, it declined on a year-on-year basis for three consecutive quarters from the fourth quarter of 22 through the first half of last year. And in the third quarter of last year, uh, you know, companies reported third quarter earnings in October and November of, of last year. S&P earnings grew in the third quarter about 6% year-on-year. So the earnings recession is over. And I'd expect to see overall earnings growth this year at a similar mid-single-digit rate, uh, with perhaps maybe even some upside risks to that if the Fed, you know, cuts rates and industrial activity starts to, to pick up more meaningfully. You know, for, for this quarter, uh, this earnings season, which is, you know, companies reporting their fourth quarter of 2023 results, um, as you mentioned, Dom, it's extremely early. We've had only 36 companies in the S&P 500 so far report. I'd say trends so far and read-throughs have been, you know, sort of consistent with Q3, generally okay, but 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 more mixed in, in the forward-looking view. If we look at it by sectors, I'd say that the, you know, energy and material sectors are going to be a drag on overall results, given the fact that commodity prices are lower than uh, levels from a year ago. But that's actually a net positive for the economy and for consumer sectors. You know, tech earnings should be strong, particularly for semiconductors and software names, and, and we'll clearly be watching as tech companies report over the next couple of weeks for any discussion on generative AI and whether or not use cases are more materially developing, which could justify the strong build-out and spending that we're seeing from you know, some of the larger tech players. We have seen more results from the banks, right? The banks are early reporters during earnings season. And, you know, so far what we've seen from the major money centers and some of the regionals has been, you know, fairly solid results, but sort of mixed to muted stock price reactions, which I think is, is should have been expected. Right? I mean, if you look at, you know, on the results side, you know, we're seeing credit trends fairly benign, loan growth generally healthy, you know, some, some signs of green shoots from some of the more capital market sensitive areas that are expecting to see or a buildup in IPO activity given some visibility into their pipeline, pipelines, you know, the stock price reactions have been more muted, I think, because we just saw a significant rally in the fourth quarter at a market level, but specifically for financials um, that, you know, already 
priced in a lot of the you know the good news or the, the generally favorable backdrop that I that I just described. So so all in all, I'd say we're looking for earnings to be up again this quarter, but no real acceleration or deceleration from from last quarter's mid single digit pace. And I think that you know what markets will really will be keen on is going to be you know what companies are saying in their forward looking guidance. And so far, you know, that's been sort of in line to maybe even slightly disappointing market expectations. So I wanted to shift and hit on some predictions for next year. Um, so other than the Bills finally clinching their first Super Bowl win, Jeremy, um, can you maybe talk about what do you think we can expect from the markets for the remainder of 2024? So from your lips to God's ears, um, go Bills. Um, I'm sure you'll be booking a trip to Vegas soon. <laughs> fingers crossed. Well, I, I will be in uh, Orchard Park on, on Sunday evening. Um, but <laughs> for markets, let's let's go back to markets because uh, I'm much less uh, uh, probably won't have the same predictive ability uh, for Patrick Mahomes. But uh, for markets, look at the end of the day, markets are driven by earnings and valuations. If earnings were, if we're right and earnings grow mid single digits, that should provide a tailwind for stock prices, all things being equal. You know, what worries me a bit is where markets are currently priced, given the, you know, sharp gains we saw last year, particularly in the last couple of months of the year, but also just given overall levels of valuation. I mentioned that the S&P right now trades at about 19 and a half times forward earnings. That's relatively high relative to history or relative to a a mid-single-digit growth rate for earnings. Um, And I would say that, you know, at close to 20 times earnings, the markets have been increasingly pricing in a soft landing scenario over the past several months. And any data that risks that scenario over the coming weeks and months could easily drive market valuations down a bit and, you know, uh, create a pullback in in overall levels for the S&P 500. So, so my base case is that at a market level, you know, the S&P 500 will likely be somewhat range-bound with a, an upward bias, given our favorable view on earnings, but somewhat stretched valuations. I wouldn't be surprised to see better entry points during the year should we get either, you know, growth scares, stickier than expected readings on, you know, monthly inflation prints, or, or anything that reigns in enthusiasm on generative AI. I'd also note that, you know, geopolitics is a, it's a big wild card this year and that could cause some, you know, market volatility as well. You know, the conflict in the Middle East could drive higher oil prices if it escalates, which would be both inflationary and a headwind for growth. And we also have to remember that not only do we have a presidential election here in the U.S. later this year, but over 50 countries representing half of the global population will host national elections in 2024. So there's no shortages of political news or potential public policy changes that could rattle markets as well. So with that, Jeremy, thank you as always for your insights. As a firm providing wealth management services to clients, UBS Financial Services, Inc. offers investment advisory services in its capacity as an SEC-registered investment advisor and brokerage services in its capacity as an SEC-registered broker-dealer. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, differ in material ways, and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements. It is important that you understand the ways in which we conduct business and that you carefully read the agreements and disclosures that we provide to you about the products or services we offer. For more information, please review Client Relationship Summary provided at UBS.com forward slash Relationship Summary or ask your UBS Financial Advisor for a copy. 